Welcome to The Bolt, the official podcast of Trinity Basin Preparatory, a charter school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we share interesting stories and strategies from across our district. I'm Connor Rogers. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Trey. <laughs> hey. Hey, Connor. <laughs> you're, you're, you're chuckling. You threw me off. We've never done the countdown before. Three. There's a si- Connor did a silent countdown of three, two, one, like we were a real professional... Uh, podcasters yeah. yeah yeah this is episode 35 i mean we're not it together we're not uh messing around here um so i should start by saying we are recording in the it warehouse mm-hmm. which uh i think is like the area 51 of tvp because everyone knows there's seven campuses and a central office building so that's eight buildings but there's this ninth building that no one talks about <laughs> it's just this secret little it warehouse tucked away somewhere in arlington uh and the it's ninth like, circle of TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you, I'm driving here. There's all this construction. So my GPS is like, can't hang, you know? And then it's like, is this the right building? Like none of the buildings have labels on them. Mm-hmm. So thank God I saw the TVP van and I was like, okay, I'm in the right place. There's like barbed wire around the corner. I don't know what's going on. And so, yeah, it's very much like the Area 51. And then Trey's like, oh, we'll give you a tour. And there's like all these laptops everywhere and wires sticking out. So it's an IT yeah. warehouse. It really it, is. It is definitely an IT. My, my only, my, I don't, nitpick is maybe too strong a word, but like the hallways seem very narrow. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I need to like have a full wingspan and extend my arms when I'm walking down the hallways, yeah. but I, I cannot do that here. Yeah. Like, well, if two people are walking, does one person have to kind of press up against the wall? So like, if two people are walking, don't come knocking. Well, I'll tell <laughs> you what, what it is, is the reason it is, is because we actually built the hallways. Like this used to be um, a company that and they actually are next door but like that fixed uh like hospital beds um Hmm. so it looked totally different than this we kind of remodeled it so we could have offices there was like one big room here um so we kind of turned this this used to be just like a giant hallway into like Uh, five offices so that we could have offices in this conference room and stuff like that so it was kind of cool because we kind of got to build it the way we wanted Mm -hmm. um but yeah you should have seen it beforehand yikes you could do your wingspan but you might not want to touch either wall (laughs) okay it's a little rough okay all right. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me down to the thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's been fun. And uh, we, before we get into the episode, where there's an update on our format, our podcast format. Yeah. Because because uh, and Trey brought this to my attention, and I'm like, ah, oh, Trey's right. So <laughs> the final four questions will now be the final two questions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and do you do you want to talk about that, or do you want to? Yeah. So my thought was, you know, we've been asking the same uh, three and then four questions for since the beginning, since the very first, second episode. Um, and so we're starting to get kind of repeat answers, and we know everyone hel- hates cell phones. And really, honestly, it's just me. I'm just tired of hearing that everyone hates technology, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and that everyone wants to uninvent it. So uh, this is selfish. Um, but... Um, we are going to keep the um, three albums that you would like to bring to our new Earth uh, if aliens yeah, were invited. I fought hard to keep you that did. one. Yeah. Uh, Trey's like, we're getting rid of all the four questions. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Not yeah. all four. We can keep one. Yeah. yeah. So we're keeping that one, which is kind of like three little mini questions. You know, you have to pick three albums. Yeah. Um, so there's still four answers, I guess, in there. Um, but what I thought was was maybe a good idea or something we could try for at least a little while um, is asking our, our guests if there was a teacher that impacted their life. Um, I mean, we are the... The Bolt Podcast, uh, we're here to talk about stories and strategies from across our district, uh, and I thought this would give our guests a good time to talk about somebody, you know, a story that affected them uh, mm-hmm. when they were, you know, when they were in school. Um, you know, more stories, again, selfishly, you know, maybe our guest wants to share that with the person they talk about. They're like, oh, I'd like to share this with Mr. So-and-so, so mm-hmm. he could see how much of a, an impact he had on me, and that just inc- increases our listenership. And uh, so, yeah, now <laughs> it's revealed. <laughs> It all comes to life. No, but I'm hoping this will just, you know, we'll get some nice heartwarming stories or maybe, you know, I had this guy named Mr. Rogers who was a real jerk when I was uh, in school in New York or whatever. I don't know. Stuff like that. I didn't teach in New York, but okay. So close. I'm not talking about you. (laughs) Wow. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm from New York. Did all my teaching in Texas. Okay. Um, But anyway, speaking of teaching... We're here to talk about teaching, not in New York, yeah, but teaching across the pond. Across the pond. Yeah. Overseas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah in it. <laughs> I promise that's the last time I'll do that. I wanted no, to so often. No, 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 no. <laughs> that will not be. Don't make promises you can't keep, Mr. In Trey. In this episode, at least. In this episode. Yes, for this episode, that will be the last time Mr. Trey does a British accent. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about teaching internationally. Yeah. Um, so we have two people in our district who have some international experience. Uh, one is Seth Phillips, our director of communications, who also does a lot of work for us on the Bolt podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 
the other one is someone who's got a great first name. He just spells it wrong. Is Connor is Connor Miller, yeah. uh, who works w- with you in IT. Yeah, yeah. Connor Miller is uh, in our in our data integration team in IT, uh, and he taught internationally as well. So not current teachers, but ones who have done it in the past. And uh, it's kind of affected where they are at TBP now. So it's pretty cool. All right. So grab your passports <laughs> and let's get into the episode. All right. Well, welcome to our guests, Seth Phillips. Hi. And Connor Miller. Howdy. All right. So we're just going to address the elephant in the room, or should I say the two Connor <laughs> situations in, the, in room. the room? So, so we've got Connor Miller. Mm-hmm. What's up? All right. And then, uh, and then I'm Connor Rogers. Mm-hmm. I feel like I admit that I need to launch in the intro right there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so he will be Connor 2.0, and I will be Original Recipe Connor uh, for the rest of the episode. We no, just right. call you the name that's in. Uh... Like Active Directory and Cornelius. And the only people who call me Cornelius are like people who have legal business with me okay. <laughs> or medical business with me. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, hopefully that's no one in this room. We'll see by the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but I also wanted to give a shout out to Seth Phillips, and I'm so glad we have him in front of the mic mm-hmm. because he does a lot of work behind the mic for our podcast. Um, so he basically does all the, the guest booking, calendaring, making sure we've got a a topic, and he comes up with the questions. So if I ask Seth the questions episode, and he says, hey, that's a really good question, he's really just being self-serving. So, sure. now, And you know how difficult it is to book guests for this show. Was it any easier booking yourself? Actually, I think for this one, I was like, I'm trying not to book myself, and <laughs> then I couldn't get out of it. So, yeah. Fair enough. Well, the topic today is teaching internationally. Um, and so we have actually some te- some people in the room who are not teachers currently, but you've both got some experience teaching internationally. Uh, so uh, first of all, we'd just like to know kind of what subjects, uh, age, age, grade levels that you taught and where. So I started out um, in teaching after grad school. I taught high school for seven years as a speech and debate coach. So I taught speech, debate, broadcast journalism, and photojournalism over the course of those years. Wow. So um, teaching abroad was a natural extension of the debate component, if you will. I also taught AP research, so okay. um, that's kind of the, and traveled abroad a lot myself, so yeah. Wait, so why was it a natural extension of debate? Well, because debate in the form we think of it today started to increase, and so it developed as a way of establishing our democratic process or democratic government. And so as it expanded across the Western world and into the United States and so forth, we then get forms of debate that derived from various stages of that. So there's a parliamentary style of debate that's very common in um, high school, uh, in some high school events, as well as in college. And then in uh, the United States, we have congressional debate, we have Lincoln Douglas debate. And so a lot of things from throughout our history come across in speech and debate. So students are typically interested in international affairs. We have entire events on international extemporaneous speaking, domestic extemporaneous speaking. So some of our debate topics were, they would switch from year to year between international focus and domestic focus. You've got a lot of students that are studying things like water usage in the South China Sea and you know, nuclear energy in Japan, et cetera. So from year to year, there's definitely a shift. Interesting. I didn't know any of that stuff, did you? No, I I, I thought you were going to say, well, I argued with enough people in the United States, and I was ready to take my skills uh, overseas. <laughs> All right, Connor? Yeah, um, I taught English uh, right after college, after my undergrad. I don't have a uh, any sort of graduate degree. Um, Yet. Yet, uh, we'll see. Uh, I taught grades two, three, and four. I taught English and uh, one social studies lesson uh, at the International School of Shoifat in um, Erbil, Iraq, Iraqi Kurdistan. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, so many questions. <laughs> Let's start with one. Uh, it does not surprise me to learn that you were an English teacher because every time I see this guy in the teacher's lounge at Pafford, he's always reading a book. And is that true? And it's it's never like the Hunger Games. Like it's always like some, <laughs> like like uh, I don't know what what have you been reading lately? Uh, I read Neuromancer most recently. Okay, see, I don't but even know like what a, that like, but that but sounds it's like a just, novel. Okay, yeah, but it sounds very smart. Yeah, it sounds like a smart book. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then but so then let's let's go back to you taught in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Okay, and for grades two, three, and four, you said right. 
Okay. So do they have our same grades, or was that just the, like the age range that you? I th- I think they might have been a year younger because I knew in my fourth grade class I don't think anyone was ten yet. I think they were all nine. So it might okay. be. It's about the same. It's pretty same. much okay. the same. Okay. So, okay. So, but what was that like? So were most of your students, you know, uh, international students, or were they native to Iraq? Or some of them were. So. Um, there were a couple of American kids in my in my class because the, their parents worked for like NGOs in the area. Um, what, what's an NGO? Oh, sorry, non-governmental organization. So okay. like uh, so any type of business. I don't, I don't know the names n- of any not, right off the top of my but head. But not like military. Right. Okay. Yeah, there were a couple of American kids. There were kids from uh, a lot. Most of them were from either Iraq or uh, or Syria because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people from Syria had moved into Erbil over the last. Uh, over the last few years. Um, yeah, so that was the bulk of my uh, my class, and Lebanon as well. Interesting. Yeah, so from, from the region, okay. I guess I should say. Very cool. So had you yeah. taught before that, and you were like, now I'm ready to go abroad? That was the first teaching game. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's really you cool. You think first-year yeah. teaching is hard. Yeah. yeah. Do it in Iraq. Do it in Iraq, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what I guess, what uh, inspired you, or what was the, what, why Iraq? Well, I was, uh, I was, I was newly single, uh, I, I don't, I don't have like a family I was responsible for. Uh, so it was, a lot of it was like in a sense of adventure, you know, sure. it's like, I'm not really, uh, not really beholden to anyone. I, I mean, no one's, no one's, uh, necessarily need, needs me for anything. Um, also I, I do believe like, uh, education is like a, a, a noble investment in the future. I don't know. There's nothing negative about education. So it's kind of, uh, uh, that was, I mean, kind of. I don't know, self-serving, but like that kind of was something that I thought about. Uh, had a degree in history, or I still have the degree in history. Um, and you know, Iraq is the the cradle of civilization. Uh, got like the Sumerians and such. So, so clearly, you have high ideals of education. You were, like you said, unattached at this time. Uh, so then you get to Iraq, and what's what's that journey like? Uh, I've first thing I noticed. I think I. My plane landed about 10 p.m. and I just I noticed it was as hot as it <laughs> is like in the early afternoon in Texas at 10 p.m. Uh, that was the first thing I noticed. Um, I don't know, like I was just I don't know. The first thing I was concerned about was just like getting to my apartment, uh, finding out where the grocery store was, um, seeing some local sites. Um, I didn't teach for uh, three weeks, so, so they gave like, you three weeks to get acclimated. Yeah, there's and... three weeks, and then. Um, yeah, to get acclimated, and then they kind of they had their own system that they taught us, mm. like for teaching. Uh, it wasn't so, teaks. So, it wasn't the teak system over there. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's no. So sorry, the the school has their own system. Yeah, they they want you to teach. They don't want you to like. They didn't want us to uh, bring in our own like materials and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they they uh, you know they kept the materials under lock and key. So they spent a couple of weeks showing us that. They were all physical materials. Uh, yeah, it was like textbooks, and then I think the textbooks had like a PowerPoint component. Okay. But yeah, it was all. But it's all password protected and every yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, because you, when you said lock and key, I w- you're an IT guy, so I was yeah, wondering yeah. like what is what is that? Does that still mean physical? Because <laughs> yeah. we still use locks. We still use keys. Uh, you, you do, you do. Uh, so I want to press pause on Connor's stuff. We're going to come back to to Iraq, I promise. Um, but let's talk about Seth and what is what is your experience work with um, taking students abroad and internationally? Yeah. So since I was teaching here in Texas, um, obviously I wasn't teaching students in a classroom in the same kind of setting that Connor was, but I was doing that over the summer in taking them abroad through um, like a tour program that essentially I had prepared them to take over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of a recruiting students who might be interested in traveling abroad. So most of the ones that I did were to the UK um, just because of the correlation with debate and political discourse and parliamentary government, et cetera. So we went through a lot of preparatory um, experiences because for a lot of those students it was their first time outside of the country um, and I'm taking them without their parents sure. and so while I would take them without their parents to speech and debate tournaments almost every weekend going outside the country you know parents have a little qualms about that so a little different yeah. We, yeah a little yeah. different so a lot of it was preparing them to appreciate the experience when we got there because in a two-week period we would cover t- 
tons of ground. And so uh, a lot of the learning and preparation happened in advance so that whenever they got there, they could kind of appreciate what they were experiencing, where they were going, et cetera. So a little different. It's more of an extension of the American classroom in a foreign setting. Okay. So what countries did you take students to? Well, so like I said, um, UK was the ones I primarily focused on. I did uh, I did consider <laughs> as the pandemic was about to happen. It was my last year of teaching, oh, wow. taking a group to Greece uh, for, again, that kind of correlation with debate. And for some reason, I just, you know, decided I was going to take that year off. And then the pandemic happened in March. And so it would never happen to is very prescient, I guess. But um, so the UK, we um, primarily spent our time around London because you could literally spend two weeks in London and never leave the city and never get bored of things to do. So, um, But we also got to experience some areas I had never been to before. I did study abroad in college in London and Paris. So I was very familiar with the area. I was very comfortable going to the UK. But we got to go to some places that have newly emerged as historical uh, monuments that we wouldn't appreciate in the past. Um, the m- movie about World War II and um, the um, code crackers of World War II really made Blitchley Park uh, a new site and tourist site. So getting to experience some of those things of the historical connection beyond just my speech and debate classroom, but like their world history classroom and actually seeing an Enigma machine and getting to actually play with it and type code in a real working Enigma machine um, was just a unique experience. Um, And we even getting to do things like see theater in a foreign country uh, with an American play where the British actors are using American accents to put on the play to make it more authentic. <laughs> it was kind of a weird experience, but, um, yeah, it was really an extension of, um, you know, the classroom. In one of them, we actually had a tour of Switzerland and also a convention, um, that was in Switzerland in, um, one of the places that, the G7 typically tips and uh, takes stops in in Davos, Switzerland. So we got to actually um, visit and do a convention at a place where a lot of international policy is discussed, debated, and um, you know, kind of announced to the world. So um, lots of different opportunities for them to experience real world policy making, real history uh, that we don't get so much in the U.S. Very cool. Very cool. A lot of questions. Uh, number one, the movie you're talking about, was that The Imitation Game? <laughs> yes, I couldn't, think, right I, could, I couldn't <laughs> think of the name of it. I was like, I know I know of this I was movie. like, yes. it's Benedict Cumberbatch, yep. Enigma yes. Machine. I was like, I think it's The imita- Imitation Game. Okay. It is, That's yes. Great. All right. I'm glad Trey was with me on uh-huh. that. Okay. Um, second question. So how do you hear about these programs? Like, how do you just decide, like, we're going to go to the UK, we're going to go to London? Like, Well, uh, funny enough, that happened when I was in high school. Um, so I had a high school teacher, Spanish teacher, who would take students on a tour of Spain or other Spanish-speaking areas of the world um, every year. And so my junior year, I decided that's what I was doing my senior year. Um, so that was my first experience on a plane, um, traveling anywhere, and it was a direct flight to London and then hop over to Madrid to start a two-week tour. And so since that time, I was kind of hooked. And that company, which uh, is EF Tours, still exists. Um, they'd been around long before then as a language school, um, actually grew out of Switzerland and uh, established language schools across the globe and then do tours across the globe. So whenever I became a high school teacher, I wanted to have that same experience for my students. And so I looked into where could we go and how does that relate to my content area and what might that look like? Um, so that's where the UK and even Greece kind of came into. Very cool. That's awesome. Those are all on my, like, first of all, I've never been outside the United States. Not once. Don't have a passport. Never left really? the United States for sure. I'd love to. I don't know. Not no, even Mexico do. or Canada? You never Not drove? even Mexico okay. or Canada. Okay. No. Interesting. But I, like you named all the places that I would go. So maybe I can get a Google expedition going or something and check okay. those places out. Have you? Okay. You've been outside of the? Yeah. Yeah. I've been to... Ireland, France, Spain, Costa Rica, and the Philippines. Wow. So, yeah, a little bit of travel, you know, That's in really there. Cool. Um, but, but I was going to ask Connor how he heard about his yeah. Iraq teaching opportunity. Um, 
Dave's ESL Cafe. It's the <laughs> that, that sounds so sketchy. <laughs> Say more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just a website that they it's like uh, they have job postings for English teaching jobs abroad. Uh, most of them are in China, um, but then some of them are in like some are in Greece, uh, some are in like Russia, Iraq, yeah, uh, Persian Gulf. Okay, I've confirmed that. It is a real website. Mm-hmm. Not, not 100%. Cafe. Not 100% of its food or not. But uh, the the font is not Comic Sans, so okay. it could be legit. So it's legit. Yeah. Okay. So you could teach. I'm on the website now. You could teach in uh, Iraq. There's a job. Mm-hmm. Osaka, Japan. Very well, interesting. We're in Iraq. Uh, you're not. Le- you're not leaving us, Connor. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> ba- Baghdad. Okay. Or, or Baghdad. I'm not sure on the pronunciation. Is it? I. I've. That's not how it's pronounced, but I also can't pronounce it without embarrassing myself. <laughs> so, so, I don't so know what it is. I just so know that's wrong. wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. Zako, Kurdistan, Iraq. Zako's uh, not far from where I was. So I, I have to make this clear because there's probably people who live there who might listen to this. Uh, the part of Iraq I was in, they, the, most of the people who live there, they consider it to be a different country. Hmm. They okay. call it Kurdistan. Whoa. And if oh, I keep saying know. Iraq... And they hear it. I'm going to hear about it. Okay. So, so their area they call Kurdistan. Right. Okay. And they want it to be a different country for political, religious reasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Was that make things a little tense while you were there, or um, not really? Okay. Interesting. All right. So anyway, where did it, where where did we leave off? Uh, how'd you hear about it? Yeah. Um, Let's talk money. How did you how did you fund this this uh, uh, expe- expedition? I. I nailed the interview and they bought me a plane ticket. That's and awesome. An apartment, yeah. That's awesome. Fully funded. All right, yeah. mm-hmm. Connor Miller moving up <laughs> in the world or across it. Yeah. Uh, all right. And how about you, Seth? Well, EF Tours has a requirement that there be one adult for every six students, and so they bake that into the cost for students going on the program. And so it was myself and one other uh, friend colleague of mine at. The district that went as sort of the sponsors for the 13 or so of us that went. So every six students covers the cost of one mm-hmm. adult. Okay, that's mm-hmm. a good, good model. Okay, but like that does include food, or you're on your own for food. Yeah. So uh, every program is a little different. There's lots of different ones besides EF that do these kind of tours, but um, their model is for the most part breakfast and dinner are covered, hotel, travel, all of that stuff is included. It's really sort of a pay everything up front. And then you might be on your own for lunch if you're in the middle of the city and it's going to be kind of a, you know, find something from you know, a restaurant or street vendor to buy. Uh, but generally, it's all inclusive. They have food trucks in the UK? Or is, that, is that just an American thing? Pretty much an American thing. Okay. Uh, but they do have a lot of vendors on the side of the street. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's their permanent shop, you know, all the time. So, yeah. And that's usually the best food. But what are they? They're not, they're not selling like hot dogs like they are in New York. But are they like what are they? Well, in um, the UK, it might be any um, Commonwealth country's food uh, because you have mm. in London, especially, you have representatives of countries all over the world. In fact, it's probably one of next to New York. It might be one of the most cosmopolitan cities in the mm. world. Um, but there, you can pretty much pick whatever you want. And you'll find it somewhere. Is their Chinese food the same as our Chinese food? <laughs> it may not be Chin- Chinese-American food, but, yeah, much more authentic. Okay. I'm, I've always wondered about that, like, if, if Chinese food is the same yeah. in every other country except China. You know, like, yeah. is it? I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't. I, don't know. I think Americans have the global market on deep fat frying things, so. For sure. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I, I was more like, like, can you get a General Tso's chicken? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other parts of the world. Did you skip lunch, Connor? You seem hungry. No, <laughs> you, no, you seem stuck on this food. <laughs> I, I just think it's because when you go to other countries, you learn what they eat, and it's different, and that's part of like learning another culture. Sure. And, like so, for instance, when I went to Spain, uh, they don't have any beef because they're, uh, I guess, like the way they are geographically, they can't support those kind of animals, like oh, to, to okay, graze yeah. grazing sense. animals. Right, 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 like, right. So, so it's all uh, like like pigs so it's ham and and cured meats and chorizo and stuff like that so it's like mm. so you you learn about that through the food 
Yeah, that's actually one of my benchmarks. When I travel abroad, I always try to go to a McDonald's in every country I visit because because I don't necessarily eat at McDonald's very much, but it's always interesting how uh, yeah. that company puts a stamp on the food. So, like, in some countries, it's the Royal Burger, not the Big Mac, um, that kind of thing. Royal cheese. I knew he was quoting Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And um, they'll do mayonnaise instead of ketchup for dipping right. for fries and things like that. So it's always interesting to see something you're so used to through a different cultural lens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's kind of one of my personal things I always try to do when I travel. Very cool. I mm-hmm. thought you were going to say when you travel, after what Connor said, that when you travel abroad, you just start by saying, you guys got beef? <laughs> <laughs> you got beef? <laughs> uh, and so for, for Connor Miller, what was the food like in Iraq? Uh, it was pretty good. It was, uh, I, uh, I ate shawarma quite a bit. Mm. Shawarma, falafel, uh, Stuff you get at uh, Mediterranean but, restaurants. But is it the same? Like, it's clearly not the, it's, oh, it yeah. the same. Oh, um, yeah. No, it's not the same. Uh, I mean, just the ingredients are different. Uh, they they cook with uh, a lot of sunflower oil, uh, oh. in my experience. Um, and that changes the flavor? A little than, bit. Like, it's, the, uh, the deep fry you can, you, it's it's uh, You can tell it's oily. It makes it taste more oily. Okay. Uh, and, yeah. That was, that was the big notice. Uh, Interesting. Thing I, that I noticed. I know there, it's still got a hold on you, right? Because you still, I, I feel like you order that from time to time around here. I'll smell something. I've had, I've had. What uh, is that? That smells lovely. Yeah, I go to the the, the Lebanese uh, restaurant over by UTA. Prince? I've, yes. I love Prince. I've, the one that's yes. Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I've had that, uh, I think I had that today and also Monday. See? So. Yeah, no, Prince, <laughs> if you know where Prince is in Arlington, yeah. it's amazing Mediterranean food. Oh, awesome. Um, I'll have to check it it's out. It's way better than Dave's ESL Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> Iraq is uh, one of the only countries that doesn't have a McDonald's, but uh, they also don't like have, um, I don't know, like copyright uh, laws. laws. So there's uh-huh. a... There was a guy who, he lived in, I think he lived in Austria in the 90s and worked at a McDonald's. And then whenever he moved back home to Iraq or Iraqi Kurdistan, he opened uh, a restaurant called, I think it was called McDougal. And it's just, <laughs> it's just McDonald's. Like, just one arch though. Like it, yeah, it doesn't. Uh... No, he, I mean, it's, it's the same uh, really? iconography. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Was, That's great. Yeah. Let's talk about challenges. So what. Uh, what kind of challenges did you guys face when you were pursuing this this opportunity abroad? Well, for me, taking students to another country, that's a huge level of trust um, with families and parents and so forth. So, um, And, I mean, there's financial hurdles and things like that, like we talked about. Um, getting a passport is not super easy, especially if it's your first time. So all of those kind of logistical things, um, it really does take – almost a full school year to work through and walk mm. through that process. And so I would have a meeting with that group after I had the group, I would have a meeting with them about every month or so to get them accustomed to, you know, uh, taking public transportation. We don't do that really in America in most places. Um, getting used to that, uh, looking left instead of right sometimes in the UK, uh, driving on the wrong the street, side of the street. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so you have to make sure that you're, you're checking, um, you're adapting to the culture. So there's a there's a fairly significant learning curve, um, even going to a country that speaks the same language. I mean, going to a country uh, as different and non-Westernized as Iraq would be even more so the case. So the further afield you go, there's a whole lot more um, barriers to prepare students, especially if they're traveling with you. So What about you, Connor? What kind of challenges? Uh, first, I want to... Uh, Seth, did you ever hear the story about uh, Winston Churchill crossing the street and he looked the wrong way? He looked the wrong way and he got hit by a car. Yeah, that's why they literally at every crosswalk will have look left, look right, Mm -hmm. and an arrow to show you where you need to look because so many American tourists and other international Mm -hmm. tourists do exactly that. They don't look the right way and they get hit. Mm-hmm. So. Wait, but so it happened to Winston Churchill in England, though? No, in New York City. Oh, that, okay, that makes uh, more sense. Wasn't yeah. used to it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know, challenges, uh, the biggest challenge was that was that was my first time being, like, really uh, uh, away from away from my family, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, uh, if, I don't know if I had, like, a medical emergency uh, or uh, anything like, I don't know. If I had any sort of crisis, it was 
110% on me. Like, yeah. there was no backup to call. Uh, that was a that was the first challenge that like was really in my head. Uh, um, and then classroom management, I had never. I had never uh, really been responsible for a room full of uh, kids and uh, making sure they get their test scores up to up to par, you know, every three weeks. So, uh, like, I, re I really had to think outside the box to get them to pay attention and calm down and do their homework and not play Fortnite and all that <laughs> stuff. So the same challenges that teachers are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same challenges. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, and then That's great. Uh, I uh, I don't think I I think I think I, I think I learned that I'm perhaps not meant to uh, teach uh, be responsible for like a, a room full of room full of students just because of the classroom management deal or or the Fortnite <laughs> yeah I, I can't compete with Fortnite um, <laughs> who can yeah no I just uh, I don't know I'm just not as uh, outgoing enough to do that I guess okay. Just naturally. Yeah. But do you, do you now have more sympathy for our teachers? Of course. Okay. So uh, the students involved in your program, what was what was the value, I guess, that they uh, took away from this? Or what was the expected value, maybe? Well, even though I taught at a district that was, you know, fa m most of the families were middle, cl middle class, upper middle class, et cetera. Um, and they had, some of them had even traveled before, I mean, the experience of traveling by yourself, as kind of Connor was speaking to, to a foreign country, you know, without family, et cetera, it's a huge step, uh, especially for an adolescent. They're already getting that independence. Now they've been traveling with me all throughout the school year to debate tournaments and so forth. We've gone all over the country, but now we're literally taking a step across the globe to a foreign culture that they have to adapt to um, in the speech and debate world, it's all about audience adaptation. How do I get my message across to the recipient? Well, and this, this is a huge step in cultural adaptation for a student that hasn't been outside of Texas or, you know, American culture. Um, it's very different and it forces, I think a lot of times and why I think these kinds of international experiences are so valuable is it forces a student to it be introspective a bit about like, why do we do in America the things that we do? Like there's a little bit of cultural mm -hmm. introspection there. Um, but also like, what is my place in the, the world? Like the world's bigger than my high school of however many thousand, like it is truly there's, there's a world of, different people and different cultures and different languages and foods and so forth. What do I want? You know, as I'm planning on going to college or getting out, out of high school, going into the work world, what are the goals for my future and my life? Where do I want to fit in this global community? And I think in a lot of ways, it really opened them up to a broader perspective. And they had to kind of have that realization themselves. And they don't necessarily have parents, you know, involved with them the whole time. So they're trying to have to figure that out for themselves, um, be a little more assertive uh, with respect to taking responsibility to adapt and taking responsibility to engage with the culture in which they are in. And so I think when they come back from that, I've, I've never had a student who traveled with me that didn't have some sort of major takeaway i had some that were like yeah i want to live in europe you know in the future they went into yeah. it kind of thinking that um and then that either maybe affirmed that or maybe gave them some pause and they like what why do i want to do that what's my goal so i think it's largely reflective contemplative and introspective um and it's hard to kind of get away from that impact just because the exposure is so unique such a unique shared experience i really like that i both high schools I went to offered those kind of trips. I think one was a Spain and France. One, you know, uh, you're, I don't know. Uh, I didn't go to either one, but I, but I remember thinking, just knowing who was going, there were a bunch of goofs. Like it was, there was no. This was a vacation for them, right? It wasn't. It wasn't. There was no cultural reverence. Like it was just like, we're gonna go to another country and you know, goof off there and get into trouble. Um, 
So I, I like hearing that it was framed differently and that they were, you know, they were going for a cultural experience instead of just vacation time. You know? Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I picked the program we did is because of the conference. It was an international leadership conference and it was um, sort of design thinking uh, focused, uh, had speakers from all over the world. Uh, Greta Thunberg, for example, who's a mm. um, huge climate activist, uh, was there, uh, numerous other uh, international speakers, American journalists, et cetera. So they got an experience experience to like culturally, but then they also got an experience that was in, uh, innovative and in thinking and kind of applying that design thinking approach to solving problems, which my hope was that they use that in their future careers of a different way of approaching um, resolution of major issues and, and that type of um, the problems affecting our society. Yeah. Um... I tried to make the the lessons a little more relevant by showing them like Cabeza de Vaca. Uh, that was one of our stories. I showed them, you know, where I'm from in Texas and how Cabeza de Vaca came through Texas. And I think some of them, uh, it became more than just like homework mm -hmm. at that point. Right. Um, and then also uh, because Kurdish isn't like a widely spoken language outside the region, um, generally you have to learn like a second language if you're going to study abroad and for a lot of older folks, it's Turkish, uh, and then younger folks, it's like Arabic, English, uh, French. Um, so I like to think that I, you know, helped them, uh, gave them something in their toolkit to yeah, if sure. they want to open some doors for oh, them. Oh yeah, open some doors if uh, they want to move out. And, yeah. yeah, or yeah, attract attract like business to the region. You oh, know, that's et cetera. Good idea. Um, yeah, I. I uh, one of the things that I, I noticed was like people, uh, there's not a lot of tourism in that in that country, in that city, et cetera. Uh, and people, whenever they'd meet foreigners, they were really excited to show them like the local history and like, oh, yeah. cause the, the city I was living in, I think is, it's like in the top 10, like longest continuously inhabited places on the planet. Whoa. So there's like a big, uh, there's like a big uh, tell citadel in the, side, in the center of town and it's, it's like as long as people have been building cities people have been living there and uh, yeah people are just people are just really excited to show like the outside world things like that that's really neat okay speaking of things that are really neat I have been dying to ask about this souvenir thing you mentioned earlier so okay yeah could well you, could you yeah, yeah. Could you hold it up and I was, I was I was asked about souvenirs so I just brought uh, what I could fit in an envelope so we've just got this this is like a fridge magnet um, this is a Lamassu, which is like a Sumerian, uh, I don't want to say deity, it's some kind of spirit, uh, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's got the body of a lion with a but pair, wings, pair of, though. it's got wings Okay. and then the head of a person and five legs. Um, I didn't even know. Okay. Yeah. You can, you can pass it around if you want. Oh yeah. It's showing down. Uh, it's very cool. Here at the <laughs> okay. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So that's, that, okay. That's the only souvenir I could fit, uh. Nimrod? Is that... Hey. <laughs> no, it says it on the magnet. Yeah. Don't call me that on mic. I've told you about this. I, I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, yeah, it's, and I've just got, like, some money, and then I've got notes uh, from my students from the day I left. Aww. And uh, a bunch of them are have uh, Fortnite themes and <laughs> motifs. I think this is oh, the battle really, bus from Fortnite. That's really special. And but some yeah, currency? Yep. Some Iraqi currency? Oh, yeah, just some Iraqi dinar. Um, Grab it, Nimrod. <laughs> yeah that's really cool yeah. so Seth did you, do you know what Cabeza de Vaca is as well or is it just the Connors I've never heard of this I don't know what this is Wait, he's an explorer yeah I've never heard of that name okay Okay. do you know what it means in Spanish <laughs> it sounds like it means head, head mouth of, head of cow head of the cow uh, okay yeah oh that's Boca oh. yeah yeah, uh, he, I'll just be on my phone. Yeah, he he was an explorer. <laughs> so you knew the invitation game, but you didn't know the explorer. Well, that's on brand for me. Uh, yeah, uh, I I was fresh on it today because I was writing the seventh grade social studies test, and that's one of the explorers. Oh, okay. they have to know. So uh, yeah. Anyway, Seth, what souvenir did you bring to the Bolt Show and Tell? I, I didn't bring a souvenir, although uh, it is interesting that Connor uh, brings that particular one with the. The, the fridge magnet, because in the British Museum, they actually have two of those from um, the gates of Assyria mm -hmm. uh, that are huge, probably 12 foot tall um, figurines that guarded both sides of the gate as you would enter into the city, um, along with a ton of other um, 
you know, British, British Empire had a mm-hmm. tendency to bring all the cool stuff back home. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, items, including the Rosetta Stone, etc., that, you know, are internationally famous figures and monuments that students get to see and mm-hmm. walk right up to. Um, just in the British Museum itself, you can see everything from ancient Egypt to the Pantheon uh, marbles um, to items right outside of Assyria, all within a single room um, or just a long corridor. So um, the ability to explore that and see it in person and just see the history come alive, like you make the connection back to an explorer who came through the Texas area to connect to you, you know, students get to see those things in their textbooks in person and mm-hmm. they really get to see the real Rosetta Stone and the three languages carved in and how that um, helped to unlock hieroglyphics in our understanding of ancient Egypt, etc. Um, it's just a priceless and valuable experience um, to really kind of witness that history. So many people, whenever you do travel, want to share their history of their society. I think in America, we, we don't have that um, association with history, maybe because we're so young as a country, but um, as you travel abroad, you get to see it in, in unique ways and see the layers of history um, over time. You know, you can kind of explore um, crypts or, you know, cathedrals, etc., and just see layer upon layer upon layer different cultures and um, peoples that inhabited that same region and the, the unique things that they brought to that area, the changes in architecture, the changes in food. The, um, it's just an invaluable experience, and I think it's something that really every person should do. Uh, my personal belief, I think every person should travel. Trey, you need to travel more. I will. Um, so the, <laughs> because it just um, provides such a unique context to where we've come as a species. Mm-hmm. So on that note, if, if, there, if there's a teacher listening or even a non-teacher, somebody who's thinking about being a teacher listening um, that is maybe considering doing something like that, what kind of advice would you give them, or maybe what resources would you point them towards? Well, you, I mean, m- not necessarily that I would. There's a lot of different programs, and I would encourage them to see which one fits their particular needs. But if you're, you know, an American teacher um, and you're really considering it, you're not alone. There's been a lot of people that have paved the way forward. Um, EF did a special program where they would actually take you, if it was your first time doing a tour, to another country, mine. I went to Barcelona uh, for like a weekend um, type thing. So they would actually show you what it's like. Um, you could, you know, the whole process, what it, what, and prepare you as a trip leader for taking your students through that experience of going abroad and being on a tour and the pace of it and what you're going to see, what it's going to look like, um, the scheduling, etc. And so, if it is your first time abroad. I don't think you need to be afraid because those um, providers have done this many, many, many times and they know what you need to know. But also there's some great resources by other teachers that have done these trips over and over and over again. And so they kind of connect you with those resources. So a lot of the times when I would do my trainings with my students before they were going, I was looking at other teacher materials of, well, how do I teach students to avoid pickpockets? How do Mm -hmm. I teach them how to navigate uh, the the tube in London? How do I teach them to pack uh, two weeks worth of clothes and maybe a carry-on? Because I really think that's all you need. And so I would actually demonstrate some of those things with them. Um, So there's a lot of resources out there, just like for the classroom, there's a lot of resources for teachers wanting to travel abroad. Um, They don't have to feel like they're alone. Connor, anything outside of Professor Larry's ESL food truck. What was it called again? Dave's Dave's. ESL Cafe. (laughs) Got it. So close. Yeah. I would just say, like, learn a little bit about where you're going. Uh, Learn, like, the customs, uh, just how to to be respectful and not be uh, just a uh, jerk. Yeah, just like a a Nimrod or, yeah, just just do your research. um, you'll probably be you'll probably be fine, like wherever you go. So I'm curious. There's you always hear about these like customs that we have in America, and then somebody goes and does them, uh, you know, overseas somewhere. And you offended somebody. And you offended yeah. somebody. Is there anything like that that you encountered or? Um. No, I'm sure I I had my fair share of like faux pas, but uh, 
I think everyone was just too polite to point them out. Um, <laughs> I love that. I'm sure I offended plenty of people. <laughs> um, I, I I didn't know it, but you're not really supposed to wear like shorts um, oh, yeah. over there. And I, I I learned it very quickly not to, but like just because uh, someone else pointed it out to me. But like nobody nobody said anything to me. Yeah. Like outside of my uh, uh, traveling companions. I'd have been fine. Like, no locals pointed it out, I guess. Not a shorts guy? Not a shorts guy. Nobody needs to see these pasty calves. But I'm a pants man. <laughs> it's 110 <laughs> degrees in the shade. Like, What do you mean, no shorts? I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, so kind of new spin on an old segment. We're going to do the final two questions uh, that we're going to ask guests. So uh, aliens are invading Earth. we got to evacuate to a different planet. And you get to pick three albums that are going to be part of New Earth's catalog so what three albums are you going to take we had this discussion earlier i have i do not understand the concept of albums um <laughs> so artists i can appreciate but albums i don't know what my favorite songs are on what albums sure so i would probably pick um something adele okay uh something lady gaga and probably something michael will play oh okay. i feel like solid. that would give me a, yeah. a, a nice mix that is very solid I think okay. they've all been around long enough to have like a greatest hits album you could probably grab. Sure. Oh yeah. 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 Something like that. Yeah. That's solid choices. Yeah, for sure. Connor. Uh, I wrote down. Um, again, I'm kind of in Seth's Seth's boat. Like in uh, the age of Spotify, like I don't always consider what albums. Album mean? <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, I but I wrote down uh, 1916 by Motorhead. Oh wow. Darn by Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> and, uh, nice save. Um, and uh, I watched this over the weekend with my girlfriend, uh, but I would also get the music that the grandmother listens to in the movie Mars Attacks because uh, that's how they defeat the aliens in Mars Attacks. Oh. Well, I've Spoiler never seen alert it. if you've okay. never you seen watched. Mars Attacks. <laughs> yeah, I never saw if it. If the no, movie's over 20 years old, my rule is I you've got no excuse. Like, no, 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 no. no. I, I have no excuse for the spoiler alert. Uh, but do you know what music. It is, like is it made up for the movie or is it? I, a... I no idea. Okay, but, but your just, plan is she's to listening fight to back records. About this, uh, fight. She's playing records, and that's how they defeat the the Martians. Okay. So Connor's going to stick around is. on Earth and mm-hmm. fight the aliens. And, no, like, I I'll I'll take the album. Okay, so the in aliens... case they follow us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like gotcha. that. And then Smart. maybe yeah Practical. maybe maybe return someday. But maybe the first practical answer we've had so far. Yeah, self defense. <laughs> no one no one's mentioned that in their album choices. Um. So this next question, I kind of want to just uh, do something different um, just because, you know, we're a podcast for uh, and about, you know, teachers and stories and strategies. So I was just curious um, if either of you or both of you uh, could just tell us about a teacher that had a significant impact on your life, um, good or bad. Maybe there's a bad impact that's made, told you to help you to stand up straight or something. I don't know. Um, but Seth, is there any teacher, this teacher story that you'd like to share? Yeah, I'm going to cheat and sort of say two, but for the sure. same, same reason. So. Um, originally whenever I was going into college, I was going into aerospace engineering. Um, and so after the first year, I realized that I, I was somewhat bored with the subject matter, if you will. Like I, I, it wasn't something that really, uh, I felt as passionate about. And, and so I kind of looked back at two of my high school teachers that had been hugely influential and is my speech and debate coach, Janice Caldwell and my um, journalism or newspaper advisor, uh, Makayla Tedder. And so it's sort of telling that I have taught both of those subjects um, as an educator, and now I literally do that, those concepts for a um, school district in Mm -hmm. sort of the journalistic and communications area. So um, I would say those would definitely be my two, and it's really for the same reason, it's two ways of communicating and that those lessons those skills um have been kind of what i've done throughout my life that's awesome that's wonderful i mean even look at your job now you know yeah. like that's just it's just like the, to me like that's i love this question mr trey is because you get like the impact extends so far beyond like the minutes that the teacher has the students mm-hmm. in the classroom that's 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 yeah. awesome yeah and so they they kind of have grandchildren in the sense of um i have several students that work professionally in um journalism or broadcasting etc or that were uh, speech and debate 
coaches or consultants, et cetera. So, you know, it, it's kind of a continual cycle of um, those teachers having a lasting impact even through their, their students, you know, onto yeah. other students mm-hmm. as a result. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's great. Yeah. Connors, or a teacher that's uh, had an impact on you? Uh, yes. Um, my, one of my history professors at TCC, whenever I was uh, getting my basics out of the way, um, my history professor, uh, I'm not going to say his name because I, I don't want to dox him. Uh, <laughs> but he. Uh, Wait, dox? Yeah. Uh, like, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say his name and then. But what does. No, I, what does dox mean? I don't I think mean. it just means like you, you put somebody's like name on the internet or. Like D O X? Yeah. He's going to have to look it up. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you don't want to say his name. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Um, Publicly revealing previously private personal information. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, my history professor at TCC, he, uh, he, he was the first professor that taught like the, the, the narratives that are like not, not in the, in the textbooks. Right. Sure. And so you got like a, a different angle on things and you learned about like sort of what, uh, what um, uh, history is not like done by individuals. It's done by all these other factors, you know, environment, economics, uh, things of that nature. Uh, and he sort of uh, uh, encouraged me to, you know, look at events and history and things a different way. And yeah. uh, that's why I got a history degree. I was going to say, and that's what led to history. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. I like how both of you had answers that like kind of sh- shaped your you know future careers. That's really neat. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for recording with us and a great, uh, wonderful way to learn about teaching internationally. So thank you both. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Bolt Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bolt Pod for episode updates, or reach out to us at the Bolt at trinitybasin.net. As always, do more, expect more, and be more. to have a lot of rules about like you used to have these rules well I feel we like used to say them we there was there that. was a standard thing well because it was when it was new and we were starting and like scared of you know yeah. like like the whole thing got approved way too quickly <laughs> <laughs> like there was no form i had to fill out it was like no standards i mentioned it, i mentioned it casually at a meeting and then the next time leslie saw me in the hallway he's like yeah i think you should do it i was yeah. like Oh, okay. <laughs> Next thing you know, microphones are being ordered, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sitting in Trey's office in Zang, and he's like, "Okay, okay, so you want you want me to hook host?" And he's like taking notes, and all right.